Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Help Desk. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. And we finally got an election result in the US. Uh, Biden has claimed victory. Uh, Trump has not conceded yet. Uh, But what does this all mean for technology, Tess? Exactly. So we're looking at a story first up from the information, which has wrapped up a few of the big issues about what Biden's victory does mean for tech. Uh, I guess the big one that we've talked about before is around antitrust. So antitrust legislation has been bubbling away for a year now uh, against Google, Facebook and Amazon, the dominant players in their respective fields. Democrat attorney general have yet to show their hand and join the Republican lawmakers in their suit against Google. Perhaps they may have been waiting for a Biden victory, but generally we can expect a lot more movement on the antitrust on the antitrust front following Biden's inauguration in January. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting one to keep an eye on because the Democrats have at least seemed to approach this from we, we, with more of the the issues at stake rather than kind of grandstanding. I would say. And also looking at immigration, the Information Technology Industry Council, a Washington-based tech trade group, expects that Biden will rescind a series of immigration-related executive orders issued by Trump. In addition, the group expects Biden to reverse the non-immigrant visa programs to better match the labor market. And that was one of those issues that came up really, really early in the Trump presidency, was stopping workers from various countries from entering the U.S., Absolutely. And if you speak to anyone in a bar in San Francisco, there's a good chance that they're on a H1 visa and they're working at one of the Silicon Valley companies. So yeah, this has definitely affected Silicon Valley. They've been really worried about this. It's also one of the reasons why Silicon Valley has a massive uh, cricket following uh, because there are so many Australians and and Indians uh, living in that town. But yeah, uh, nice to see, nice to see uh, the, the subtle changes coming through already. Mm-hmm. And staying on international relations, there's a lot of commentary at the moment. Many articles are hoping for a more adult relationship with China and looking to end the trade war and focus on a big picture rather than individual companies like Huawei and TikTok. Probably good for those two companies to get out of the spotlight a little. Meanwhile, Trump will lose his newsworthy Twitter protections in January. Twitter has introduced its policy of refusing to ban politicians in response to President Trump's use of the platform. But once Biden is sworn in, Twitter can ban Trump like any other user. Exactly. So all those complicated issues that Twitter has to work out might just go away and they might just get one big question, which is, should we get rid of him or or not? Yeah. I, I don't know whether we said this on one of the pre-shows that we did or on an actual recording, but I remember thinking that Twitter is just waiting for waiting for the Trump presidency to be over before they kind of roll out some new changes. Because until Trump was was out of office, it made no sense economically to ban him because he drove so much engagement, so much traffic. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see whether 2021 becomes the year that Twitter 
really differentiates itself from something like Facebook and and really clamps down on on hate and misinformation on its platform. Mm, or else maybe it just gets really boring. Uh, <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> Uh, well, Spotify hints at a paid podcast model in a new survey that it sent out to users. The survey describes at least four possible subscription podcast plans ranging from 3 to $8 a month. The cheapest plan would include access to exclusive interviews and episodes, but would still have ads. The most expensive plan would add high quality original content. A spokesperson for Spotify indicated that the survey should not be taken as concrete plans by the company. This all sounds very confused to me, Tess. I mean, I I think that it was inevitable that Spotify would do something with its giant acquisitions of podcasting companies over the last year or two. But this just sounds like a very confused pricing structure. Yeah, I sort of don't know enough about pricing strategy to know if it's a genius idea or a terrible one. But from the outside, it does seem a little overcomplicated and what you'd really want to do is have one price for a ton of content. That's That sort of seems to me like a, a more attractive subscription proposition. Mm, absolutely. And then they've got the, the perfect example right there in, in the music category of uh, you pay, you don't get ads, you don't pay, you get ads. Like just do that with all of your shows that you've, you, your original shows you've got on the platform. Add technology is pretty easy to insert uh, into, tech, into podcasts. So for the free users... Give them ads for the premium, don't. And the podcast market is still really hot. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Bloomberg reports that Apple were looking to acquire podcast company Wondery, creators of Dirty John and Dr. Death. Wondery is one of the largest independent podcasting companies in the world, reaching about 8 million people a month, according to PodTrack. Yeah, so I guess those big players are still out there looking to snap up uh, creative, talented people and have them on their platform. Do you think this is more of a defensive move, if it is even true, from Apple? I I can't see Apple trying to lock down content in the same way that Spotify is doing, which sounds bizarre because Apple is one of the biggest lockdown, you know, companies in the world. But at least with podcasting, they've always stayed true to that mantra of an open, free RSS idea. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Tess? I think they want to own their original content just as much as Netflix or anyone else. That's probably very true. (laughs) And moving on, uh, many of today's top software programs have been hacked using new and never before seen exploits at this year's edition of the Tianfu Cup, China's largest and most prestigious hacking competition. Held in the city of Chengdu uh, in central China, the third edition of the Tianfu Cup ended earlier today. Many mature and hard targets had been pwned at this year's contest, the organizers say, and successful exploits were confirmed against iOS running on an iPhone uh, 11 Pro, Samsung Galaxy S20, Windows, Chrome, Safari, (laughs) Firefox, Adobe, and the list goes on. I have never heard of this before today. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the the kind of white hat conferences that you see like DEF CON and things like that that happen in the West. Yeah, I'd never heard of this particular one, but wow, that's that's a quite um, an impressive list of of exploits to find. And according to reports, all exploits were were reported to their software providers as per the contest regulations. So it's nice to hear that, yes, all of the exploits were found, but not published and immediately sent to Apple and, and Samsung and Windows and Microsoft and all of those people so that they can patch 
the exploits before they are out in the wild. Mm, I'm still not filled with confidence. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there are some talented people out there. Closer to home, Stan Sport might be coming to take on KO. Alex Choros of Whistleout writes that Nine today announced it will go head to head with KO with the launch of its own sports focused streaming service, Stan Sport. Details are still scarce, but Nine has reached an in principle agreement to sign a long term deal with Rugby Australia. Foxtel is Australia's biggest spender on sports rights at the moment, so further investment by Nine could really shake up the status quo. At this stage, it is unclear whether Stan Sport will be a standalone streaming service or part of Stan. Nine has yet to detail pricing, but the service will launch in 2021. Yeah, so the short version of that is the rugby rights are moving from Foxtel to Stan, and Stan's going to go from being a primarily a Netflix competitor to competing with KO. Uh, and adding mm. sport in there. And something else in this story, I completely forgot that Nine owned Stan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's a co-ownership, isn't it, with Nine and someone else? Actually, I think it was Nine and Fairfax, I, which is yeah. now the whole same company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was something for the Fairfax deal there? No, it's it's quite interesting. Probably the initial reaction to for some sports fans would be, you know, slight annoyance that they they may now need to go buy another subscription just to watch one particular thing. I was going to say so that's not a cohesive experience just yet. Well, it isn't at the moment anyway. If you want to watch AFL online, uh, there are about 17 different ways of doing it, and it's a real pain in the butt. Even though Channel 7 has the the broadcast rights, they don't have any of the streaming rights. That's with uh, Telstra at the moment. And then, of course, Optus has the Premier League. So, yeah, it, it's all a bit of a mess. Uh, there's there's so many competing digital forces out there. It'll be, uh, hopefully, maybe it could be in a couple of years' time when some of those uh, deals expire that you would just need one or two uh, services rather than the seven or eight that you currently need if you're a true sports head. Because mm, the sporting codes still make a lot of money out of selling those rights to someone like Telstra or Optus. But it, it does, and it also makes sense for Nine, for this to be an area Nine wants to get more into because well, live TV at the moment, they've got politics, uh, which everyone watched a lot of over the last week. Breaking mm. news and, and sport is the other thing that sort of, keeps people watching TV rather than just being completely in this, you know, virtual world of Netflix and Stan and Amazon Prime. Yeah, time shifting is not as good with sport, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, politics is going to get a hell of a lot more boring in the next <laughs> couple of years. So they might need to, to expand uh, other ways of making money. We can only hope politics will be more boring over the next four years. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I am so happy that I, I wake up in the morning and not wonder uh, what has been tweeted by someone on the other side of the... Yeah, it is. Uh, everyone gets, uh, you know, hopefully some time and, and mental energy back after, <laughs> after the last few weeks. Uh, but I think that is all we've got time for today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tess Bennett. You and I both sound a lot happier this week than we did last week. Yeah. I mean, I was also moving house last week, so I want to say thanks to my parents. Otherwise, I might still be uh, cleaning bathrooms and kitchens if they did not help me, and we wouldn't have got this podcast to air. Oh, thank you so much uh, to the Good Bennett family. All right. uh, We will speak to you tomorrow. Have a great one. See you. Bye. Bye.